It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down American loser the day I was born Hello everybody and welcome back to another edition of American Loser. It is uh, the podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place. My father has abandoned me. The kahuna has abandoned us. It's uh, We're trying to piece this all together if we can here. Today with me, uh, behind the ones and twos, the boss himself, Ming, is in the building. So good to have you here, sir. It's, <laughs> it, uh, it's, it's good to be here. Always. Thank you we'll very much. Early on a Sunday, too, man. I appreciate you guys making time for us. I, I didn't go to the bar last night. We're all good. <laughs> so you're the boss of this place and you still have the ones and twos. You didn't get to the threes and fours yet. It's I know. It's, uh, it's him a game. and the kahuna. They never graduate. It's a game of numbers, my friend. And, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Kahuna's hanging out with Kevin Smith now, so uh, I'm pretty sure he dumped us for a hotter chick. That seems to be what's going on over there. Loser devotees will recognize that voice, by the way. Larry Burke, not here today with us. Uncle Paulie coming back in. Yeah, all right, let me do you a Larry. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, it's almost like Westworld. He's like a, a programmed robot or something like that. That uh, That's how we get him always involved. It's always the same. Hey, doing pretty good. Everything's okay. It's the same pre-programmed responses. But uh, Uncle Paul, I returned to the show. You said your third time now, right? Yeah. Well, you know, last time I told you I was with the uh, dance group, the Shin Young dance group, uh, and I was having trouble there. And then they fired me. They let me go. And, and they said my legs were too long. I couldn't understand that. What it was was when we would line up, there'd be a line of girls in front of me in, in my line. And, you know, the people that were there were kind of short, so their legs weren't long. And mine was, I kept kicking the girl in front of me right in the ass. Ugh. And, and what would happen is the audience would be seeing this girl's head all of a sudden go boop, boop. <laughs> and they said it was too distracting, so they let me go. But the good news is now I'm with Cirque du Soleil, the ah. Beatles tour. I'm not in charge of the Beatles tour so much. I'm in charge of the Beatles, the ants, the cockroaches. I do the exterminator. The exterminator. Uh, tough market during COVID, too. So yeah, I appreciate that. They, uh... they, they call me the Terminator exterminator. <laughs> Get into the chopper. He's got a dollar bill right now. I can't. I'm not sure what we're going to do here. This is. <laughs> <laughs> He's escaped again. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I was thinking about this earlier. So uh, for those who don't know, uh, I'm actually a, uh, a Navy veteran and a Navy uh, boot camp, if you will. You would assume is going to be somewhere near the water, right? Nope. Chicago. Yes. Right? Chicago. <laughs> the Windy City. Great Lakes, Illinois. That's where I went to boot camp and then a school. Now, you and Aunt Linda came out and visited me while we were out there. We yeah. stayed with uh, Cousin Jackie. Cousin right? Jackie, the crazy person. He is uh, an insane human being. But uh, it was exciting for me because I started seeing this stuff like in the malls and everything around there. They were always talking about uh, Mrs. O'Leary's cow, right? That it would be a picture like an old school, you know, 1800s uh, housewife, you know, Irish woman kind of a, a caricature and her and her cow. And you'd see that all over the place. I, I would miss that because I was always looking at the pizza advertisements there. It is confusing. It's uh, so growing up here in New Jersey. Right. And by the way, that is where we are at, uh, at a shared universe podcast studio in Eatontown, New Jersey, uh, soon to have another location from what I understand. But 
Uh, New York style pizza, Jersey style pizza, and then Chicago style pizza. Completely different thing. Uh, we fucked up the one time because I think we all ordered uh, uh, pizzas thinking it was what, like eight or seven inches or something like that. And literally it was just pie after pie. You forget there's a, a depth to uh, Chicago you style pizza. You need hip boots. <laughs> We fucked up that day. I think we were pretty much uh, living off of pizza dough for the next we couple of weeks. We had about 40 pounds of pizza in the truck when we left, yeah. after we ate. <laughs> you know, it's bad when uh, the truck has to readjust to allow for the pizza to come in there. But Chicago, fun town. We do have some listeners out there in Chicago, too, which I'm excited about. Uh, and I kept noticing this as I was walking around, though. You see that Mrs. O'Leary and her cow thing. And I was like, well, what's the whole deal with that? And we're going to cover that today, Uncle Paul. Uh, you know it's bad when they call it the Great Conflagration. I beg your pardon? Is that a nasty word? Is that Can you say that? I think that's Latin for fucked up. Oh, oh, so then it's, it's okay. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to cover it today, the Great Chicago Fire. So pretty fantastic there. Uh, not putting No pressure on you here, Ming. No pressure. But do you know anything about this off the top of your head? Uh, I don't. I know about the San Francisco earthquake. <laughs> I don't know anything about the Great Chicago Fire. So I, yet again on this show, I get to learn something. Clearly. Finally. right? <laughs> Between that and then covering uh, the true story of Jaws, I think we've we've coached you up pretty good here this year. It's been a, a beneficial relationship for everybody. Uh, I, uh, Jeopardy, Alex Trebek, watch out. That's <laughs> <laughs> I do. That has been described about me is that uh, I know uh, everything about nothing. That was what somebody said one time. But this one is pretty fascinating story here. So uh, October 8th, 1871. Now you're talking post-Civil War. You're out there in Chicago. Chicago's uh, literally it's been called uh, the city of the century, too, by the way. A lot of cool stuff going on over in Chicago around this time frame. But a, uh, a fire is going to break out, Uncle Paul. And uh is there really such a thing as a great fire? It makes you wonder. Right? What a name. Not the horrible fire that burnt everybody's house down and the businesses and the, and the river on fire and all this other stuff. No, the great fire. You said river on fire. That's true, folks. All right? Listeners at home. Yeah. Water caught fire during this. That's how bad it gets. But uh, October 8th, 1871, a small fire breaks out in a, a barn at uh, 137 DeCoven Street in Chicago, Illinois. The barn is owned by the O'Leary family, okay? And, uh, well, let's be honest, too. I understand why. There's uh, some anti-Irish sentiment around this time frame. Uh, Justified. Justifiably, right? <laughs> so it's Irish Catholic, too. That's the other weird thing that they always have to, to plug in there. But uh, Mrs. O'Leary is uh, who's going to become blamed for the entire fire. And we've talked about it before. American history specifically American history, but history in general is always, uh, we think there's something different going on back then. No, it's literally the same shit repeating itself all the time. Fake news is here. All right. So say what you want about Trump, but fake news is legit in this particular case because Mrs. O'Leary literally gets, I'm going to say railroaded on this one. Uh, they blame her for the entire fire that's about to break out here. And literally it's done because she wasn't popular. And she had a nasty cow a na <laughs> well, that stood up nights with a nightlight, probably smoking doobies. That's <laughs> well, you have uh, – so Mrs. O'Leary and her cow, that's who gets blamed for this entire fire. Uh, the fire is nuts, by the way. Everything – to call it great is almost an understatement, as uh, weird of a, a word as that is to have applied. But it's interesting to me, too. So this guy, a reporter for, I believe the paper is called the Chicago Republican. It's uh, no longer in circulation. But 
Michael Ahern was uh, the reporter, and he's going to break the news that this fire is started when a cow kicks over a lantern as Mrs. O'Leary was milking it. Now, just think about this. There's a barn. It has animals in it. You have a lamp. Now, if you remember the old lamps, think about the old cowboy pictures. They always had a handle on them. Yep. You would walk into a barn. You wouldn't put that sucker on the ground with the dry hay. You hang it on the hook that's provided. There's no way a friggin' cow is going to do a jump kick and hit that lamp. Unless it told a better story, as Michael Ahern starts putting together. He's going to spin this idea. Uh, all of a sudden, Mrs. O'Leary gets called a drunk and stuff like that. Like, oh, she was drunk milking the cow, blah, blah. You don't milk a cow at night. That's <laughs> you do it in the morning, early morning, when it's going, milk me, moo. <laughs> well, uh, actually, when she testified later on, they said that uh, she was in bed at the time of the incident. So how this woman gets blamed for a billion-dollar catastrophe Still not quite sure, but that's quality loser fodder. Because there was a Jersey connection with the cow. It was a Jersey cow. No shit. You always had a milk cow. It would be a Jersey or a Guernsey or a Guernsey-Jersey mix. Those are your milking cows. You don't use black Angus. They get pissed if you touch their tits. That's a- <laughs> you will get stabbed by a horn. You don't use Texas longhorns. You don't use the stuff they had on the cowboy pictures, you know, the slap sides. They'd kill you. You didn't you think had we could a sneak Jersey, Jersey cow. <laughs> well, Mrs. O'Leary, not quite a popular person. Uh, her husband owned a saloon in uh, the Chicago area, and then uh, they start putting the like. Oh, is it a gambling house? Is the house of ill well, refute? Let me get this straight. It's an Irish guy that owns a saloon, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Enough said. Stereotypes are sometimes true, but uh, Mrs. O'Leary, not very popular. Oddly enough, uh, like we said, when we were out in Chicago. I was out there, what, 2008, 2009, I guess? Mm-hmm. And you're seeing they sell bumper stickers, T-shirts, Mrs. O'Leary. So it's a good laughing matter now. But time frame, pretty bad. So the start of the fire, did you get this one, by the way, Uncle Paul? What, what do you think started the fire? Well, they were saying the cow kicked the lamp. Again, the lamp wouldn't be on the ground. The other thing you have to consider, if it did start in, a, uh, in the barn, a lot of barns went on fire because if you stack the hay too close... It will combust. Yes. So I was actually personally in a fire started that way when I was on a horseback uh, trail ride. A school ho- uh, house friend of mine, Vinnie DeSimone, owned. And we couldn't get back to the barn because it was friggin' on fire. <laughs> and, and what it was is the hay kind of just says, okay, I'm leaking a lot of acid here. It's getting hot. I think I'll start a little fire. So that could happen if the fire even, in fact, started anywhere near that barn, which I doubt. So listeners at home, uh, any kids that might be listening to this podcast, uh, do not stack your hay too closely. That's right. Otherwise, it could have uh, catastrophic events. If you go by a farm that has stacked hay, you see that there's spaces for the air to flow. Otherwise, it'll be smoldering. Well, we talked about on the ride over here, too, that just hazmat in general, you know, stuff that they're going to be dealing with. It wasn't exactly the amount of things that had to happen for this fire to break out and to be as catastrophic as it was. It's literally almost a comedy of errors. So you have uh, extreme drought. They weren't getting any rain over there in this time frame. Uh, Then on top of that, most of Chicago was wood. They made almost everything out of wood. So Mm -hmm. the streets literally had wood to them. And then between the hazmat and everything else like that, they would stack some, you know. The sidewalks were were wood. 
Yep. It was, I think they called it a balloon frame is what uh, the design of the city was at the time. But all of that, it's pretty much begging to be on fire. Well, only that, but think about it. How many people had electricity? Just about nobody. Mm-hmm. Right? Everything. Everybody was cooking with wood in a wood sto- burning stove. Everybody was heating with wood. A fire could start anytime, any place, and be catastrophic. Well, also, like you said earlier, that you walk outside and you smell smoke or something like that, yeah. and you just assume, it's oh, they're common. cooking breakfast. Right. That's common. <laughs> so it's like being in an apartment and uh, around dinner time, everybody's uh, meals are all kind of the aroma is going into the air and just smells gross and disgusting. But. That was kind of a normal everyday thing for them around this time frame. And uh, again, that's, by the way, the start of the fire is still the subject of debate. Um, The fire itself is brutal. Like I said, entire city is going to be made of wood. You have the drought. The ingredients are all there for a conflagration, as we're going to say. But um, you know it's bad, too, when apparently the fire started, broke out in the O'Leary barn. That's true. That's 100 percent true. Uh, 137 DeCoven Street. And if you know anybody who wants to Google that, it's interesting uh, wormhole to go down. But Mrs. O'Leary was in bed at the time when the fire breaks out and gets, uh, you know, it's bad when your friend named Pegleg gives you some advice on something. So this dude named Pegleg comes over and lets them know, hey, guy, your barn's on fire. So the barn is detached from the house. So they're sleeping in bed. Everything's good to go. All of a sudden they realize that uh, their barn is on fire as uh, Pegleg made them aware and Probably then, having hot sex. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe that's why the cow kicked over the lamp, right? Yeah, it's probably <laughs> having it with the cow. <laughs> they are cute, though. You look at a Guernsey or a Jersey cow, they're kind of pretty. That's a, there's, a, there's a reason why there's so much artwork of them. But, uh, yeah, so the barn catches fire, and you assume it's going to be a small, isolated incident or whatever. But, no, this shit gets out of control pretty quickly. Um, Uncle Paul... Chicago around this time frame is a city on the rise, if you will, right? But uh, they're having a lot of fires leading up to this. So the Great Chicago Fire is the big, you know, end of the day kind of a thing. But for uh, the fire department, they believe it was only 185 people on the entire fire department to service the entire city of Chicago. They probably only had like little water guns. That's <laughs> well. They had the the pump trucks and everything. Like that. So you're starting to get towards modern firefighting. Which, by the way, the New York firemen is always uh, the craziest thing because it used to just be uh, organized gangs right. that would show so up. So with the police. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've covered that one here via Tammany Hall. If you want to check that episode out, but this fire breaks out, and originally this is like I said earlier, comedy of errors. So 185 uh, person deep fire department. And they respond quickly to the blaze, by the way. Uh, but get this. They go to the wrong address. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of Irishmen, right? Get up early? Yeah, sure. Exactly. So, uh, like we said, 137 DeCoven Street is where they were supposed to go. That's where the fire was going to break out. They got the wrong address. So, then they showed up and they're like, all right, cool. So, uh, hey, I guess there's no fire. False alarm. All right. So, they show up on time, ready to go. Probably, you know, could contain the problem, if you will. But they go to the wrong address because the night watchmen send them to the wrong place. So that guy should be the villain. Mrs. O'Leary still getting scapegoated over here. But um, again, 185 person fire department. I can't get over that. That's so that would be small to service Eatontown, New Jersey. You know, think about this. What's the nickname for Chicago? The Windy City. The Windy City. So you start a fire. Guess what's going to happen? The wind's going to carry it wherever (laughs) it wants to go. Well, they also had you have the river going through there. 
So I always think it's really cool that Chicago uh, dyes the river green for St. Patrick's Day, mm. right? This fire is so bad that it's able to jump the river because as we mentioned earlier with the hazmat and stuff, people aren't disposing of things properly. So all of a sudden, uh, you know, hey, you know that uh, all that hay that we left aside, like you were saying, stacking your hay a little bit too close together. I'm going to put that pile next to my kerosene. Right? Exactly. For the lamps, you had to have kerosene <laughs> and you got coal oil for the house too. Everybody had a bunch of stuff that can explode. It's almost uh, it's almost as if they wanted this thing to go up in flames, and it sure as shit did. So, um, again, it's getting real serious. This fire absolutely explodes. The fire grows out of control quickly. It's starting to jump the river. It jumps the river twice, they said. So when water is on fire, I think it's fair to say that um, that's a bad day, right? So God does not love you. That's <laughs> Uh, Ming brought the map up here, too. So Chicago, fantastic city, uh, wonderful place. I always enjoyed myself while I was out there. But picturing pretty much a third of it being on fire at one given time, that would be a little bit intimidating for me. So uh, the mayor at this time, what a great name, too, by the way. I, I wanted to uh, I thought it would be funny if we had Kahuna do the casting couch for this guy. But uh, the Chicago Mayor Roswell B. Mason. Yes, Roswell. I remember him well. <laughs> well, he winds up, uh, things are getting serious too. They think it's going to be something that they can isolate or whatever, but the fire is just growing out of control. It's growing in size exponentially and at a moment's notice. Like we said, drought, uh, everything's made out of wood. There's kerosene on you know every couple of doorsteps away. It's bad and it's getting worse. And the one thing they needed and they didn't have was marshmallows. I don't That's think they were invented yet. <laughs> Well, uh, good old uh, Mr. Mason, if you will, the uh, the mayor, he realizes things are getting bad because he orders the courthouse evacuated because now the courthouse is on fire. Chicago has one courthouse at this time, and that shit's going up in flames. And get this, you know it's bad when they say, oh, and free all the prisoners. So anybody who was in jail that night, imagine you're a guy and you tied one on, and maybe you got into a drunken bar brawl or something like that. And uh, you're sitting there and he goes, oh, man, things can't get much worse than this. And then the mayor comes and he goes, hey, good news is, you're getting out of jail, but the bad news is it's because the jail's on fire. So. <laughs> but they let all the prisoners go. So it's almost like a Batman movie at this point, right? Every bad thing that could possibly be going wrong is going wrong. And you're just waiting for a hero to show up. But there's no hero in the story. Why like, do you let your oppressors tell you what to do? <laughs> it's uh, yeah, pretty much almost. Uh, now, this happening by accident is amusing because it's almost like Bane planned it from the Dark Knight exactly. Rises or yeah. something. A terrorist couldn't come up with a better plan than how this actually breaks down. But uh, again, Roswell B. Mason, he's asking nearby towns for assistance. They're trying to figure out, send me other fire departments, send me this, what are we gonna do over here? And the fire, by the way, we never really figured out how it started and they never exactly figure out how it stopped. But what they were saying is that the fire burned itself out. That's how hot this fucking fire was, that it started running out of fuel to burn with. I, I think it was a bunch of Italians saving the pizza joints. That's a <laughs> particularly Pizza Uno. I mean, you know, that's where it all started. Deep dish, baby. Yeah. A, <laughs> well, the fire is out of control and they're trying to respond to it. And this one I thought was amusing. So the firemen that showed up, uh, apparently this was like a whole summer of fires that they're thinking like, oh, finally, it's October now. Things are going to calm down a little bit. The heat's not quite where it needs to be. But as you said, Uncle Paul, it's the Windy City. Mm. So a little flame goes a long way, right? And uh, they wind up getting stuck with that. The firemen are showing up and they're just tired. They're beat up, these guys. And they're trying to 
now all of a sudden a third of the city is on fire and you're trying to figure out, well, what's the move here? How are we going to do this? What are we going to do to stop it? And there's nothing that they can do. The water's on fire, right? The city is burning like they've never seen before. Everything's made out of wood. It is the worst case scenario. And if it wasn't for some rain, they don't know when they would have put the fire out. Literally, when, when the weather has to come get involved, that's, uh, I think a couple of things went awry here, you know? That's probably the closest you're going to ever come to hell. I would believe that, too. Now, just to give uh, the listeners some scale here, if you will, is uh, one out of three citizens post-fire are left homeless. And the death toll was potentially over 300 people. And you got to remember, the records weren't all that great back then either. So we they really don't know. That's why they said it. They said, uh, I think we found 120 bodies, but it could be that uh, there was maybe twice as many people that actually died. We just don't know. And, uh, and what happened to the cow? Who got that? Exactly. Mrs. O'Leary's cow. This is the funniest part of that whole story, though. They scapegoated the shit out of her. So, uh, you know, like the game of telephone? Mm-hmm. You know, it pretty much turned out Mrs. O'Leary's cow is what started the fire. And then boom, it's like, a drunken Mrs. O'Leary was uh, the cow kicked off, uh, you know, the lamp or something like that. And she was all boozed up and it's her fault. Now, Mrs. O'Leary, everyone's got a shit life after this fire, too, by the way. So the fallout of the fire is almost worse than what happened during the fire. They literally go underneath. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but they go under martial law. They had to bring a general in that the, the mayor, Roswell B. Mason, has to uh, turn over the city, if you will. And it goes under martial law. And it was uh, General Sheridan who was. Uh, oh, Sheridan. Yeah, yeah. Remember him? Yep. Yeah, good hotel. It's, <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, uh, Sheridan was uh, an interesting guy. He comes in there and the citizens are like, thank God we got people here. You know, it's going to go OK. They get volunteers. They have uh, the troops marching around just trying to keep some sense of order because one out of every three people are now homeless. Uh, the property damage is just absolutely through the roof. It's um, I don't want to obviously there's it's a tough uh, conversation, but it's got a little bit of a World Trade Center or post 9-11 kind of a vibe mm-hmm. where people are just like, I hope that there's a plan and I hope something's going to work out here. But all because of a fucking cow. <laughs> um, so they're just insane with that one. When you're welcoming in a general uh, to take over the control of your city, that's when you know that shit really hit the fan. Oh, for sure. That's <laughs> Well, Mrs. O'Leary gets absolutely railroaded, by the way. They throw her under the bus. Um, but didn't they say that the guys were gambling in the barn at the time, yeah. getting drunk and all that stuff? That's Wasn't there a story that. about that? Yeah, part of the... Um, if you will, the uh, mythos of Mrs. O'Leary and the cow, it turns into, uh, oh, it was uh, uh, they're gambling and they were all drunk the entire time. Meanwhile, the woman said in her own sworn testimony, she goes, I was in bed at 9 p.m. and I got woken up by a good old peg leg letting us know, hey, guys, your barn's on fire. <laughs> so she got to save my leg. <laughs> <laughs> Bad enough with the damn termites. Now I got to worry about a fire. Exactly. Well, the Great Chicago Fire, as it will come to be known, uh, definitely started under uh, auspicious circumstances. But it's uh, Mrs. O'Leary gets completely thrown underneath the bus. She becomes a pariah. They actually say that her cause of death was a broken heart. Because imagine, first of all, it gets awkward sometimes to even, I don't, imagine this. Imagine walking into a room and everyone's sitting there in the room like, oh, it's that bitch that started the fucking fire. Well, I, you know, personally, I mean, I almost started my father's grocery store on fire, so I know how that is. I mean, there's a lot of guilt <laughs> <laughs> playing with matches as a kid. You know, if it wasn't for my grandfather, I'd have been dead. <laughs> well, uh, 
it's weird too because there's almost this is an absolute catastrophe. Uh, Ming said earlier about uh, the San Francisco earthquake. You know, this is the Great Chicago Fire is up there. It's uh, it's definitely a uh, bad news there. Oddly enough, there's a TV show called Chicago Fire now too, which is uh, <laughs> let's see here, 1871, right? Yep. Yeah. So 1871. It, it, I can't even imagine this. Now you have to rebuild the entire city. And it's a beautiful city, too, by the way. What I don't understand is if you had to go to the Civil War and probably travel south, why would you go back to Chicago where it's windy and cold? <laughs> no, it's... Uh, why wouldn't you stay like at Myrtle Beach, you know? There's no reason why you're not living there, to be quite honest. Yeah, my wife. Thank you very much. We won't go into that. That's another hour. Well, the fire goes um, for a couple of days, by the way. Uh, but thousands of buildings, uh, over 300 people killed. And get this one. This is for the time frame, too. This is not adjusted for inflation. $200 million of damages. Yeah, it's crazy. $200 million. So they get, uh, again, here's a weird thing, though. You get a chance to uh, rebuild the city now. So that's where all this new they kind of modern stuff They paved over it and let it be. Because <laughs> it's never good. No, it's, uh, well, Chicago's got certain parts of it that are amusing that way. But, uh a lot of the, the physical infrastructure of the city, if you will, like transportation, everything like that, that was left untouched. So now you have this hub, but now also imagine uh, overnight, a third of the population of your city is now homeless. So you think homeless are bad, you know, sitting there begging for change or something like that? Well, now one out of every three people are gonna be homeless walking around. You have to have that general in charge. Yeah, but they had cow they could eat, roasted cow. <laughs> Oh, good old Mrs. O'Leary. So Catherine O'Leary, by the way, um, now she dies in 1895. Um, and they actually, this is important. Uh, you want to talk about how long it takes for the, the wheels of justice to spin, if you will? It's not until uh, 1997 that the Chicago City Council actually passes a resolution exonerating Catherine O'Leary. You mean they weren't calling her Kate the Whore anymore? <laughs> well, it's true story on that one. They, like I said, she apparently dies of a, quote, broken heart where she couldn't even go out in public anymore. She was like a recluse after this. They blame an entire catastrophe on her. Imagine blaming 9-11 on somebody. You know what I mean? It's like a bin Laden trying to go to a party or something like that. I can't even go, can't even enjoy cocktail hour anymore. Everyone's always blaming me for this. But uh, just to give a little bit of perspective, too, the population of Chicago around this time is uh, 324,000. That's a okay. lot of folks for a town. Yep. And you figure your average town in America probably had a thousand people in it, if that. Well, now take that, and then you know we'll, we'll just do rough math here because uh, I went to Bergen Community, so I'm not good at anything. But uh, 324,000, so one out of every three is homeless. You now have a hundred thousand people walking around, no home. You know, where's my food going to come from? Looking what like am I zombies, do? right? <sighs> Zombie is uh, the right way to phrase that too, but the. Uh, now, this guy, Ahern, who is the reporter, he winds up, I guess, like later on in his life, admitting that uh, he made the entire story up about Mrs. O'Leary. Yeah, Ahern, the asshole. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, like we said, too, the fire's bad, right? The aftermath is even worse. There's uh, crazy looting going on. There's, uh, I mean, people, there's no law. It's anarchy, okay? It does have that Bane kind of a vibe to it. But... Uh, Thank God, good old General Sheridan's there, and he's got uh, companies of regular soldiers, and then they were able to muster up volunteers and stuff like that. And I, I think it was, um, 
yeah, martial law gets declared uh, October 11th. So the fire breaks out on the 8th, I believe. So for about 72 hours, Chicago is goddamn hell on earth. Mm. But luckily the general comes in there. They're able to put everything together. It's a... Uh, and also, by the way, the mayor is going to be, uh, that's his last term. Mr. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the new mayor well, comes in. Well, there isn't in. much left to yeah. <laughs> rule over anyway. <laughs> Add all you sticks and burnt pieces of coal over here to the right. You're not exaggerating. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the new mayor is going to come in and he runs on a campaign of saying, oh, we're going to have uh, stricter fire codes and building codes. I'm going to fix all this. He's Captain Hindsight, pretty much. Mm. Where he goes, this never would have happened if we had just done this. And if I'm elected mayor, then I'll make sure that this happens. But yeah, that was uh, the reason why the water was able to catch on fire was people are disposing of hazmat improperly. Uh, the hay, the kerosene, everything like that. It's... This was supposed to happen. The fact that the entire city didn't burn to the ground is almost shocking. But they uh, burns pretty wildly, like we said. Gets put out by rain. God did it. Yeah, God God started and stopped the fire. <laughs> he uh, does everything. It's all his will. See that kid over there? Give him cancer. That's a <laughs> you know. You want to hear something wild, too? This one, uh, it, it spoke to me on this one. So... The conventional popular story, like we said, is that Mrs. O'Leary is drunk milking her cow and the cow uh, kicks over the fucking lantern and that's what starts the fire, right? They actually say, this one even sounds more ridiculous. There's a possibility that a meteor is what started the a fire. Meteor. Yes. <laughs> I'm not even Hell kidding. <laughs> Let's go for the keister search. It's, uh, yeah, so uh, a meteor, an act of God, if you will, just like you were saying. But between that, the dry weather and the uh, abundance of wooden buildings and streets and sidewalks, it was just there's no way that you could possibly plan this thing to go as bad as it went. So good old Chicago pretty much catches on fire. Uh, and we're still living in this like a lot of the I talked about it uh, the other day that ORM is uh, operational risk management. Mm -hmm. So that's like the people that come in here and say, OK, well, you're susceptible to this. You used to work in insurance. You know what I'm talking about. Sure. So, OSHA and all those guys. Yeah. Well, imagine walking around Chicago after the fire and being like, oh, yeah, this is why that happened. Mm -hmm. You know, it's <laughs> I'm the fire marshal. Huh? <laughs> well, the fire burns the cost of the fire, by the way. Uh, I'll give you the number for 1871 and then I'll give you the number adjusted for inflation. So 1871 bucks, it was two hundred and twenty two million dollars worth of damage. OK, I didn't even know they counted up to millions. <laughs> well, it uh, first of all, two hundred twenty two million is uh, that's pretty good. That's that's nothing to shrug at right now. You're talking about people making two thousand dollars a year. Yes. So adjusted for inflation based off of 2018 numbers, the damages are estimated to be four point five billion dollars. It was a burned 200 and over 2,000 acres, um, 17,000 something buildings got destroyed. And like we said, 300 people are dead too. So actually a weird low number on the death toll considering how fucking wild this thing got. Well, if they had the ague cows there, it would have been more for adjusted <laughs> beef prices. You're not wrong, sir. You're not wrong. But the, uh, the aftermath is where everything gets crazier. So like we said, a third of the city is gone right now. And you have uh, General Philip H. Sheridan has come to town and he's running the show over here. And uh, it feels like Chicago is always in the news for something like that, too. Right. Chicago is such a, a confusing place where 
it's a city capable of great violence at any mm-hmm. given time, mm-hmm. but they're also the nicest people. They are. And, and one of my best friends I worked with, him and his dad were both from Chicago, and they would constantly go back to their old street and meet up with their old friends. They're very, very friendly people. They are. It's uh, well, and my my ex fiance was uh, a uh, a girl from Ohio. So there's that Midwest thing mm-hmm. when it's a, uh, you know, they're uh, they have a funny goofy little accent too. They say the A's a little bit soft. So yep. it's a uh, you'll hear somebody say like out in Chicago there'd be you know like a you go see like your waitress or something like that like a TGI Friday. She goes oh hey, oh crap I hope you guys are all doing okay that kind of mm-hmm. and then also at the same time when it's time to throw down, Chicago people know how to fight. So oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> <laughs> and now they have automatic weapons. Yes. Well, <laughs> that ain't helping anybody. Uh, a couple of the buildings that stayed up, and you can look at pictures of this too, because 1871 is an interesting time frame, because you can see uh, just the pictures and the images. It, it really does paint a great picture of how uh, disturbing uh, it must have looked like this. But the surviving structures, you had the Chicago Water Tower. So... Water in the river is on fire, but the water tower is okay for some reason. The Chicago Avenue pumping station is okay. The police constable uh, Bellinger's Cottage is uh, 2121 North Hudson, and uh, that one's still standing. And, of course, for some reason, I don't know why, but St. Michael's Church in uh, Old Town was still left standing. Uh, again, that God That's guy. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Well, again, we don't know what started this fire. We know that the rain helped put it out. Oh, so. big time. It's uh, you know remember Gone with the Wind the fire scenes from Gone with that was nothing compared to the Chicago fire. No, it was hell on earth, like you just said earlier. Yeah. It's uh, I'm talking flames that are like twenty stories high at least. And we don't know if it was meteorites too. This was a whole. <laughs> this was the conclusion of Ming. Just brought a photo up of it too. Yeah, it was Ming the Mary, uh, Merciless, wasn't that Merciless the guy's Ming. name? <laughs> <laughs> Coming with his uh, exotic weapons, you know, lasers and all that stuff, shooting up buildings. Well, there was also a lot of fires going on in the area, too, where it was um, they were trying to figure out, you know, is this a cause of uh, cause and effect kind of a thing? There's other fires going on, like the Wisconsin area. Uh, I think it was a here it goes Peshtigo fire, the deadliest in history. Mm. So the same day on the exact same day uh, and the same time as the Great Chicago Fire, only 250 miles away. The Peshtigo fire consumes the entire town of Peshtigo, Wisconsin. It was a fire sale. Yes. <laughs> well, that one is bad. Uh, so about 1.5 million acres gets burned up. Oh, my God. And all of Chicago. By the way, remember we said it earlier, 300 people dying in the fire. That's It's terrible. 300 people lost their lives because of that fire. But relatively low number compared to I think more people have died uh, you know when the Bulls won the championships in the 90s you know? <laughs> um, got to remember that the smoke probably killed people before the fire did that's the scary part of it too I mean these people are in bed breathing smoke you know and like you said too it's uh, you're just sitting there thinking oh I, I smell a little bit of smoke burning yeah you, know? you wouldn't think twice it's someone's cooking breakfast that's all that yeah. is well this fire over in Pistigo, uh just for number's sake 1,200 to 2,500 people died. They don't know because, like you said, there's no dental records or anything like mm. that. So you have this terrible fire going on in Wisconsin that pretty much is like a, you know Armageddon. And it could then, have been just five fat guys. They don't know how to do it. What do you do with the remains? You know, they don't know what they're doing. Well, it's hard to tell with all that stuff. But it does make me laugh that you know that's a, a you want to talk about a good sense of humor that the chicago people have mrs o'leary and her cow are available on t-shirts and bumper oh, yeah. stickers oh, yeah. and everything else like that 
you know so fake news they ran with that one but uh also the get this one i didn't know this the major league soccer team for the city of chicago you want to guess what their name is the flamers <laughs> bunch of boys the chicago fire yep. <laughs> uh, but I, there's all sorts of weird stuff in here too um so you have uh the Great Fire, there was like uh, different songs that would always get referenced in that too. The Beach Boys have an instrumental track titled Mrs. O'Leary's Cow. Mm-hmm. The fucking Beach Boys are doing a, a ditty about uh, <laughs> everything around you being on fire. So terrifying time to be alive on that one. But thank God the rain came through and uh, got them all hooked up. It's uh, They do learn from this, okay? They do learn from this. Uh, a bunch of uh, articles were coming out saying that Chicago will rise again kind of a thing. It's, you know, uh, it really was almost a solidifying moment for a lot of these people. And they become uh, fire prevention reformers, if you will, mm-hmm. that they say, we don't ever want to have this happen again. So all of a sudden now Chicago, which was called the city of the century, if you will, because that was where all these modern marvels were coming to place around this time frame. Um, they now learn from their mistakes and they become pretty much the f- the best fire department on planet Earth. Yeah, we're going to use asbestos now. Just breathe deeply <laughs> as you put this up. Where you were loved one damaged in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. <laughs> but, no, it's insane there. Now, money starts getting raised uh, for relief efforts that, you know, you said it earlier. Chicago, right? Catholics, a little bit of a, not exactly the most popular people in the country around damn, this time. Damn Catholics. <laughs> well, you've got uh, martial law going on over here and then you have money coming in from all over the place there's other countries that are raising money ireland actually one of the countries that sends over a, a large amount of money for uh and some shepherd's pie that's <laughs> mrs o'leary's cow made an excellent shepherd's that's pie it. but um but that was like kind of the aftermath for all of them it was a terrifying thing and again i'm going to put up some of the pictures and everything on here for uh, just to check it out for uh, the American Loser Instagram uh, followers. But this entire thing, the city's on fire, right? And then the worst part is, what the fuck do you do tomorrow? Because now they're just stuck. These people, there's nothing to go on here. Um, they're pretty much, I would say this, it's almost got like uh, the rapture kind of a thing. You do a pig roast, come That's on. <laughs> Get an apple, stick it in its mouth. It's already cooked. Well, you got a good old uh, General Sheridan uh, taking control of things. He is, uh, by the way, you want to talk about a, a, a mustache. General Sheridan has the stash of stashes. Better than your dad's? It's, uh, uh, it's up there. Yeah. Top five. You're pushing it. Top five. <laughs> but, yeah, I thought it was interesting, too, that there's this anti-Irish sentiment, if you will, but uh, and they're blaming Mrs. O'Leary on it. Get this. General Sheridan, the guy now in charge of the entire city, also Irish Catholic. There so. you go. <laughs> Not wrong on that one. But uh, he's a fantastic guy. He had a Civil War hero, too, by the way, and good friend of the president, uh, Ulysses S. Grant. So he's drinking buddies. That's <laughs> they do say that Grant was um, uh, a bit of a booze bag. He was in his fond early days. of the alcoholic beverage. <laughs> well, he winds up coming into play with that one. But Sheridan and then the rebirth of Chicago, if you will comes all from this. So the worst thing imaginable has to happen that Mrs. O'Leary and her cow uh, pretty much tank an entire city. But uh, because of that, you get all the modern marvels over there. You have more people coming in, uh, architecture type uh, people coming in. 
They want to start building up this city a little bit. And if you walk around Chicago, I would say this. It is a handsome city, mm-hmm. right? Between that and then the two rivers and everything like that. But Chicago, uh, I wonder what it would have been like if uh, not for that fire. Because you can't build an entire city out of wood. You just shouldn't do that. When your streets are made of wood, that threw me for a loop on that one. But if you were to make a, uh, a movie about this uh, Uncle Paul, I'm going to throw to you for the casting couch here. Oh, geez. So think about it real quickly. But if you, first of all, I don't know if I'd want to watch a movie about the Great Chicago Fire because it's just terrifying. There's no winners. There's no heroes. It's, it is quality loser fodder. But uh, Mrs. O'Leary and her cow, in my mind, I thought it would be hysterical to have it. Uh, Molly Shannon from SNL. If Molly, had, Molly, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you had her play Mrs. O'Leary and it's her and the cow, maybe have Will Ferrell play the cow. I don't know, but <laughs> that's where I would go for that one. But off the top of your head, who would you try to cast in that role? Who was the girl with the big boobs that played Wonder Woman? Oh, uh, you would Ming knows it. Linda. Uh, that would be Linda, Linda Carter. Carter. She's, Carter, she's yeah. right behind you, sir. Uh, there's oh, a she? statue of her. I uh, knew there was some tits behind <laughs> me somewhere. <laughs> I can feel it in my back. A, a very lifelike statue of her right behind you, Uncle well, Paul. Well, I think she would be good. You know, just dress her up right, and uh, she'd be one of them Guernsey women. You know, it's weird, too, because then you're saying Linda Carter. In my mind, I was going for comedy on this one, but now if it's uh, Wonder Woman, if it's Linda Carter playing Mrs. O'Leary, that's... Um, that's going to attract a different kind of audience. Yes. It's, <laughs> let's blame her. Oh, let's, let's go check her out. Oh, man. But, uh, I'll tell you what. It, the Great Chicago Fire, it, it was tough to tackle this uh, because you're trying to figure out what angle to go on. But if there is a loser, it's definitely Mrs. O'Leary because she got – her reputation was ruined. They actually have all died off. That I guess they either weren't having kids or they fake changed their names or something like that. But it was – she was uh, – uh, we used the term uh, last week for the uh, Dick Marcinko episode. But she was persona non grata mm-hmm. around Chicago. Mm-hmm. So imagine having a scapegoat to blame all of your life's problems on. Yeah. Works for everybody except <laughs> that one person. Yeah. Uh, fuck Mrs. O'Leary. But, well, uh, if she was under Carter, I would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to wrap this one up then, I think, because uh, it was it's a weird topic. It was a fun topic, though. And uh, the pictures really speak volumes about, I mean, you see drawings, you see artwork and everything like that. It's kind of mind-blowing how this all went down. You forget that this is a real thing. I mean, there's literally, by the way, there's children's books written about the fire. So you want to talk about uh, cultural appropriation or you know trying to numb the pain or soften the edges here? It was uh, Chicago Fire is goddamn scary. Yeah, and it shouldn't have a nursery rhyme written about it, but good old Mrs. O'Leary. So if you get a chance to go buy a Mrs. O'Leary and her cow a T-shirt or something like that, uh, if you're ch- oh, <laughs> Ming just pulled it right up here. Yep, History Comics: The Great Chicago Fire, rising from the ashes. So now I can't even imagine that. It looks like that kid's just sitting in a boat or something too. You got a fire with its own merch. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, why is this fire more popular than my comedy career? That's not good. Well, most <laughs> things are. <laughs> oh man, Uncle Paul, anything you want to say to the people uh, on our way out? Or oh, this was a, a fun time. I, I enjoy uh, being here and uh, being with uh, Ming the Merciless. And uh, the, I miss the Kahuna though. His, his laugh is contagious. We all miss him. I hope he'll come back. he's probably contagious at this point, too, with the flu. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kahuna doesn't do mornings, my oh, Okay, friend, so. he doesn't no, do he that doesn't. well. He yeah. does not got, do mornings. He misses cartoons. Come on. Yeah. He is, uh, and by the way, we just have to say it, so I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. The laughter 
uh, of seeing him on that little tiny couch. That's the couch he was asleep on, Uncle Paul. No way. His foot wouldn't fit there. He was tucked into it. It was. I don't understand how he did it. It was amusing. But um, yeah, we came in here for the two-year anniversary show, and uh, Kahuna was uh, asleep on the couch over there. And none of us even knew he was there. We, mm. we, we didn't tell. And then all of a sudden, my dad just points it out to him. And we were debating, what do we do? Do we wake him up? It's like finding Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a bigger couch out in, we have a reception area. There's a, mm. there's a bigger couch that almost sorts of, sort of fits him. But he loves you guys so much that, you know, I think he slept here all night just to get to get a feel for, you know, the aura that you were going to bring into it. It was the funniest I think it thing just speaks to how that lazy episode. that mother is. He won't get up from the small couch to go to the big couch. <laughs> hey, man, half couch will sleep, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> well, he woke himself up, too. That's what made me laugh. I thought we were going to, like, maybe tap him on the shoulder or something. But he wakes himself up and his, his head's turned away from us. He just goes, oh, shit, KP's show. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's it was very amusing to me that he was uh we, we tease him a little bit too but he was late to the show and he literally was asleep in the studio so it was, it was like 903 or something like right that. he was here already he wasn't <laughs> late but he was late oh man go him the late kahuna he's uh <laughs> i gotta get him back in here man i yeah, miss that we'll, guy we'll, next time we'll, you'll i mean provided it's after like 10 a.m but yes you okay yeah that's the <laughs> i do like that he just doesn't do mornings that's amusing to me but I will say this too, guys, uh, American Loser, this is going to be one of your free Tuesday episodes. So if you guys like what we're doing over here, uh, this is the month to do it. We have two very ambitious topics for Patreon this month. We're going to be covering uh, John Paul Jones, uh, the f- father of the U.S. Navy, if you will. And then the other thing we're going to cover is, and Larry Burke's pretty excited about this one, we're going into uh, deep detail on the Whiskey Rebellion. So, you know, that one's going to be good. Those are going to be available exclusively over on our Patreon. But we'll give you the free Tuesday ones here. And thank you very much uh, to all of our Patreon uh, members, because without you guys, I can't afford to do this fucking show. So (laughs) we got very lucky on that one. But uh, check that out, too. Uh, We're over at uh, American Loser Podcast on Instagram and Facebook as well. And uh, again, the Patreon thing, we're cooking with gas over there. It's very fun. Uh, Uncle Paul, you're actually a member of the Patreon. Yes, I, I'm that stupid. Yeah, I, yep. I'm giving good money away. That's <laughs> but life's good on that one here. And uh, again, I want to say thank you to Mike and Ming, always taking fantastic care of us. Larry Burke will be back in studio next week. All right. He was on vacation this week, so we let him uh, enjoy a little bit of camping weather. And uh, again, if you want to check out uh, the show, you know how to do it, man. This was fantastic. My name was KP Burke. You can find me over at uh, Instagram. I got rid of my Twitter because I wanted to have some sanity left in my life. But uh, that was the Great Chicago Fire. An American loser the day I was born. An American loser the day I was born. An American loser the day I was born.